All right, good morning. I'm excited to talk with you guys uh, today. We're doing a series called The Room, and The Room is a series. It's like the one word that I really have a trouble pronouncing. Um, I usually call The Room, The Rum. And uh, yeah, so we're going to try to get through this series. I can't believe I named it that. But I was standing actually in this room uh, the other week, and as I was just standing in here, and I was just like, I was just thinking about like my, my time at this church. I've been here for a long time. I think I've been here since, um, since 2005. And, and I was just kind of like in my mind going back, and I was, I was remembering, uh, I was remembering what the old stage, there used to be an older stage in here. Um, I was remembering what the room used to look like. I remember, um, I remember things that happened in this room. I remember uh, at one point, I, we, Brian and I actually felt like we actually saw the glory of God in the room. Uh, we saw a deliverance take place over here on this section, which we saw a woman push all of these chairs back. They were all interconnected with her head as she was scooting backwards as we were saying the name of Jesus. That was interesting. Um, a lot of stuff has happened in this room. And I, I, remember, we, I remember when we went to one service because uh, we didn't have too many people in the room. And uh, that was hard to do as a leader. And I, I just was just captivated by the, by the past history of this church and everything that went on. And, and I was just like, just praising God because um, there's, there's a lot more people in the room because God is trusting us with more people. Amen? And, and he began to uh, show me some things that I want to share with you today. I, I think it was two or three Tuesdays ago is it's when this concept kind of came to me. The room is a metaphor for what you're responsible for in this season. And uh, I know for me, I'm a father, so that's in the room. I'm a husband. I'm a pastor. I'm a friend. I'm a child of God. And I have these different positions that I've been trusted with, right? Now, I got to tell you, I, I don't deserve any of them. Like, it's not like I, I earned these or, like, or anything like that whatsoever. God is trusting me with responsibility. And to the, in the past, I used to, it, it's so funny, I would be given something and I used to think that I deserved it and that's why I was in it. But that's actually not true biblically. God gives people opportunity through responsibility and we get to be faithful in it or not. And just because I am something today doesn't mean that I will be something tomorrow. There's a verse in the Bible that says this, whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord and not for people. That is a, we can just shut the book. There doesn't need to be another verse in there. We can work on that for the rest of our lives. What a verse. Work heartily as, if, as for the Lord and not for people. And what does it mean? It means, it means this, it's all about his glory. And it's all about God getting glory out of your life. Why do we care about what we are or what positions we're in? We want to be positioned in a place where God gets glory. That's why. And we want to be proven trustworthy. Does anybody want to be proven trustworthy with the things that you've been given to steward? Amen. How many of you guys know, and I know like some Christians maybe don't understand this, that one day that you're going to stand before him and give him an account of your life. And it's like, wow, like on that day, I, I, wanna be, I, I want him to say like, just well done. You did a good job with what it is that I gave you to do. And so the first thing that I want to tell you guys this morning is 
Luke 16, 10 says this, the one who is faithful in a very little thing is also faithful in much. The one who is unfaithful in a very little thing is also unfaithful in much. So I, as I'm standing here today and I look back at my past, you know, I had a lot of like waitering jobs. I was a waiter at a lot of places. If you name a restaurant, I was there, okay? <laughs> Waiting tables. And, you know, and it grieves me a little bit because I didn't, I didn't walk in to my shift and say, for the glory of God. Today, I'm going to wait tables for his glory. And no one's going to, to ever be waited on like they've ever been waited on before. And if they ask me or say to me, you were the best waiter I ever had, I'm going to tell them I'm a Christian. And that's why. I, that wasn't my attitude. I didn't have a bad attitude. I was there to make money for myself, right? Because I had some expenses. But like it wasn't for his glory. And I oftentimes like, you know, um, like I might have a half hour in my house and, I, and, and like, you know, I, I want to do this. It's my heart to do this. Like to look at my five-year-old and say, for the glory of God. I'm going to go play with this five-year-old for the next 25 minutes, and he is going to experience the glory of God as I play with him. Wouldn't that be a cool perspective to have? And he will remember this 25 minutes for the rest of his life. I think sometimes, like, we don't think things are big enough to be faithful in, but in the kingdom, there's no difference between big and little. There's only faithful or unfaithful. And I, I want to say that again. It doesn't matter how little it is. Like when I was waiting on tables, it was actually a big deal in the kingdom. Because why? Because it was an opportunity for me to be faithful. And I could have been faithful. I could have been more faithful than what I was. But the past is the past and I can be more faithful now. And there's nothing, everybody in this room, you've been given opportunity, you are doing something, you've been given some sort of position, and you have the opportunity to be faithful. Yeah, but it's only, there is no only in the kingdom, it's it's the opportunity for you to be faithful. So we're going to be talking a lot about that, and if if there's anybody older in the house, is there anybody older in the house, amen? I want you guys to know that some people found their calling at the age of 80 in the Bible. But see, man, we live in a society that says this about responsibility. If you don't have responsibility, then you'll be happy. That's a lie. And this is the lie. Responsibility is a burden. It is not a burden. It is an opportunity and a reward. Responsibility is an opportunity. An opportunity for what? For you to be faithful. And it's a reward. Why? Because you were faithful in your last season, and now he's put more responsibility on your plate. And you might be in this room, you might say, well, I don't have time. Well, you keep confessing that God must not know what he's doing. If he's put it on your plate, you can handle it, trust me. That's why he put it there. Amen? There's something that retired people say. Would you like to know what it is? I have less time than I've ever had before in my entire life. Do you want to know why they say that? Because you are meant to work. What do retired people do? They stay busy. Why don't they just relax? Because you weren't meant to just relax. Work wasn't something that was created that was bad. They worked the garden in the Garden of Eden. That's why retired people can't stop doing stuff. And there's something else. I, I, you are either going to use this life to try to feel good, or you're going to feel good about your life. Which one do you want to do? 
Do you want to feel good about the choices and faithfulness you're making in your life, or are you going to take the easy way out and the shortcut and just abuse something in this life to try to feel good? Those are kind of like our two options. And I don't know about you guys, but I want to be faithful. I want to do the right thing, and I want to be trustworthy with what God's given me to do. So the other week, I was, I was headed out to a, uh, a prayer meeting. We, we do a prayer meeting here on Tuesdays at 6.30. The reason why we do a prayer meeting here um, is because, like, I need God to know that I know that if he doesn't show up, this is all for naught. Our, our prayer meeting is a time for, there's a group of us that, that get together. Everyone's invited. It's 6.30. It's in this room. It's on Tuesdays. And we humble ourselves before the Lord and say, if, if, you don't, if you don't show up, this is all silliness. Like, we, we need you here more than we've ever needed before. We are not impressed with who we are or what it is we do. But man, when you show up and we work together, anything can happen. Lord, come. Please come to this place. Visit your people. Be with this group and this group and this group. And we just pray. And, and it's, it's the reason why we have a prayer meeting. It's like, well, why don't we just pray at home? Because I need God's full attention, and I need him to understand that I know that we need him. And on those nights, we declare that to him. And thank God he shows up. If he doesn't show up, if we don't have testimony of God doing something fresh, just stick a fork in us, right? So I was thinking about, uh, I I was headed down to this other prayer meeting. It was down in uh, the other part of southern York, and I was going down there, and the Lord told me on my way down there, I felt like he said to me, when you go there, I'm going to tell you something that I've wanted to tell you for years. And I was like, for my first question, well, why hasn't he been able to tell me? Right? Because um, maybe I wasn't ready yet to hear it. And so I go down there, and uh, I, I totally forget that he wants to tell me something. And I just kind of get into the worship. It was awesome. It was powerful. And I'm just sitting there, and as I'm sitting there, um, after an hour into this, this prayer meeting and worship, I draw a circle. And at the top of the circle, I write this word, which is spelled correctly, amen? <laughs> and so I, I, I really want like a big pad that's computerized that when I write, it'll give me a red squiggle if it's wrong. And I can just press it and just correct it. But it was the word responsibility at the top. And I remember I heard a Chris Valentin sermon once. And in that sermon, he said, responsibility is a reward. Responsibility is a reward. It's not a burden. Society and the enemy would have you believe that the responsibility that's in your life is such a burden. And when you're by yourself, all he does is talk to you about how burdened you are by your responsibility. And I can't believe you've got to do this again. It's a reward. It's an opportunity to be what? Faithful. Well, is it too little? No, there's no such thing as little. There is no such thing. It's only faithful or unfaithful. I saw him write the word responsibility, and then I saw this other, other word on the other side of it, and it was need. And I felt like the Lord said, if you will recognize your need for me in your responsibility. And what he was showing me was like, can you imagine if you tackled your responsibility partnered with God, what it would look like? An all-powerful, all-knowing, all-knowing being inside of me waiting on tables. What would that look like? Would it look like good service? Probably. Would it look powerful? Probably. I saw, 
this other word at the bottom called humility. And humility is an action. It, it, it can be a posture, but the posture will always show something. And there, there's a place where we understand our responsibility, where we see our need for him, where we humble our, ourselves, and he always sends his resources when people humble, him, humble themselves. Do you know King Ahab, one of the worst kings in the world, he just got a death sentence from a prophet and said, you've been terrible and now you're going to die. And he humbled himself and God changed his mind and said, go tell him that I've forgiven him because he humbled himself. And in the Bible, the God exalts the, he gives grace to the long life, riches and honor belong to the, so when we humble ourselves, he always sends the resources that are necessary for us to complete the responsibility that he's given us. I don't want to do this on my own. I don't. Me doing something on my own anymore is, fails in comparison to what it looks like when me and God do it together. And I believe that God wants to invade the 25 minutes with my five-year-old. He wants to invade uh, my friendships. He wants to invade the church service. He wants to invade these different areas of my life. And I need to recognize my need for him to do it. Not just in this room, but in every room that's in every one of, every, all aspects of my life. But to do that, I need to humble myself. I need to recognize my need and he will send his resources. But here's part of the problem. Oftentimes we can justify the job we're doing based on how bad other people are doing. Have you guys ever done that before? Have you ever like looked at your life and then looked down at somebody and said, hey, I'm not doing too bad here. Look at that person. They're doing terrible. That's not good. Because unfortunately, that person's not going to be there on judgment day. Standing beside you and you're going to be in comparison to them. God isn't, you're not going to say to God, God, hold on, let me go grab old Fred here. This guy did terrible. I did pretty good. Nor is there going to be somebody who's doing better there. It's just going to be you and him. And I think sometimes we look at other people and how well they're doing and we discount how well we can be doing in our lives for his glory. Again, there is no, nothing small in the kingdom, only faithfulness. I think sometimes what we end up doing is we overemphasize our strengths and we're, we're so enamored by what we're good at and we do such a good job at ignoring what our weaknesses are. I heard somebody say this the other day. Again, it was Chris Valentin. This is what he said. He said, if you think you're walking in your destiny by yourself, you're dead wrong. He goes, e what God has called every person to is a team. And if what you're doing doesn't require a team, it's not big enough and he's not behind it. I thought that was pretty good. I think sometimes we, we can ignore those who are doing better than us or have an excuse why they're doing better than us. What we often don't do is go ask them why they're doing better than us and just humble ourselves. I want to read this parable to you and I want you to listen carefully as I'm reading it. It's the parable of the 10 minas. And he called 10 of his own slaves and gave them 10 minas and said to them, do business with this money until I come back. When he returned after receiving the kingdom, he ordered that the slaves to whom he had given the money be summoned to him so that he would learn how much they had made by the business, business they had done. God expected them to do something with the responsibility that he gave them. How many of you guys know that a good father has expectations for his children? 
He just does. Do you know that he calls you righteous to call you up into righteousness? The first slave appeared saying, Master, your mina has made 10 minas more. Now there's no, there's, why did he give these 10 servants 10 minas? It doesn't say, hey, these guys did such a good job that, hey, here's, he gave them all 10 minas, right? The parable of the talents is where he gives them different based on their ability. This one, he gave them all 10 minas. He gives everybody a chance with an opportunity, right? Now this person who was given 10 minas could have said this, I deserve this. Finally, the master sees how well I've been doing. And now he takes his position and justifies himself and pretends that he's arrived because he's in position. How many of you guys know that I'm a pastor? That doesn't mean I'm a good one. It just means that I'm in the position of one. But because I'm in the position, I could say, hey, I'm done. I'm not done. God God has so much more for me. He has so much more that I'm going to work on. There's so much more revelation he's going to give me. There's so much more of my life that I'm going to change for his glory, right? But you can be settled in position, right? And say, because I'm in this position, I've arrived, That's not what this slave does. He says, the first slave appeared saying, Master, your mina has made 10 minas more. And he said to him, well done, good slave, since you have been faithful, and listen, in a very little thing, you are to have authority over 10 cities. Is this man qualified to govern cities? No, he's not. He wasn't qualified to handle the minas. You're not qualified to do anything you're doing, nor do you deserve it or are you owed it but he trusts you to be faithful. Isn't that amazing? How many of you deserve children? Well, I have parts that work, so yeah, I deserve kids. (laughs) None of us. None of us deserve anything. We don't even deserve pets. Right? We don't deserve anything. And yet he gives us the opportunity to see if we're going to be what? To see if we can be faithful with even bigger things. Now, don't get stuck on the bigger things. You get stuck on what's in front of you, and you be faithful with it. And he said to him, well done, good slave, since you have been faithful with a very little thing, you are to have authority over 10 cities. Could you imagine that? Like, somebody's like a governor of our state, and we're like, well, what'd they do prior to this? And they're like, ah, they managed a few thousand dollars pretty well. We made them governor over every city. But if they were faithful with that little bit, do you think they could be faithful with much? See, what what this parable is saying is like, once you understand how to be faithful, God can pretty much trust you with anything. And if he's not trusting us with large things yet, what what do you think we still need to be doing? We need to be faithful with small things. Are you okay with me saying that? The second one came saying, your mina master has made five minas. And he said to him also, and you are to be over five cities. And then after came saying, Master, here's your mina, which I kept tucked away in a handkerchief. For I was afraid of you, because you are a demanding man. You take up what you do not lay down, and you reap what you do not sow. This is what I want to say about laziness. And I want everybody to understand something about laziness in our culture. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. And we've become so adapted to laziness, and we're so engaged in it, we don't even call it laziness anymore. We call it freedom. 
okay? Well, I'm free to do with whatever I want to do with my free time. Meanwhile, you were bought at a price, and you're here to give glory to the Lord. There was a recent study done. You guys know Mike Rowe from Dirty Jobs? And and he's been talking about where, where did all the workers go? And a poll was taken of single men in their 30s. And that poll showed that they've been spending 40 hours in front of a screen, a full-time job worth of time in front of a screen. That's where all the workers went, right? Proverbs 26, 13 says this, a lazy one says there is a lion on the road, a lion is in the public square. See, a lazy person will end up perceiving a threat, but they're actually projecting laziness. I think if you hooked these two guys up to a lie detector test, they would pass because they really believe and perceive that there's a threat. But the threat is there because they're projecting their own laziness onto the world. He said to him, from your own lips, I will judge you. You worthless slave. Can I just say something? A lot of times people take parables and they say this, well, that's, that, that's the non-Christian. That's not me, that's the non-Christian. The, the, I, I left the non-Christian parts out. They were all slaughtered in this parable. He's not talking about non-Christians. There was another group I left out, but they all got handled. These are his servants. And this is what he says to him. You're a worthless slave. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I don't want God to tell me that about the responsibility he gave me. I don't ever want to hear the Lord say, I wish I wouldn't have given you that opportunity. Could you imagine hearing that? Do you think God would ever say it? He said it to King Saul. God regrets making you king. He's saying it to this slave. I don't know about you, but I am okay with a little bit of a fire under my butt, my kid's butt, and your butts, (laughs) right? Do you know what makes people run a little bit harder and a little bit faster? A threat that's chasing them. I am more than okay with those two words, you worthless slave, threatening you to cause you to run the race in a better way. Have you guys ever been chased by an animal? Have you? Like... Maybe like a squirrel with red eyes. <laughs> Those things are fast. Like a wild animal that gets too close and they seem too friendly. And, and see, what the world wants to do is it wants to coddle you, it wants to cater you, that whole self-esteem garbage. All of that stuff is just trying to make you comfortable in your laziness and be okay with you. If God was okay with you, why did he send the Holy Spirit to live inside of you, to lead you and guide you? Like, he's, he'd be done, right? So it's not about you being coddled, and it's not about you, well, you're just perfect the way you are. I can assure you that you haven't put the Holy Spirit out of business. Amen? And that he has some work to do? He has some work to do on me. Does he have some work to do on you? He's going to perfect you into the fullness of who Jesus Christ is. And then meanwhile, we're like, well, we just got to make sure everybody feels okay about the way they are. And it's like, no, you're killing them. You're killing them. Every person should be on a journey with the Holy Spirit. 
From your own lips I will judge you, you worthless slave. Did you not know that I'm a demanding man, taking up what I did not lay down and reaping what I did not sow? That is the very opposite of what he did. He gave them something they didn't deserve, right? He gave them something that they didn't sow, but yet they're reaping, and they had the opportunity to do something great. And so why did you not put my money in the bank, and when I came back, I would have collected it with interest? This person saw their new responsibility as a burden. And they said no thanks to the responsibility. So the responsibility that they were given is about to be taken away from them. And then he said to the other slaves who were present, take the mina away from him and give it to the one who has 10 minas. And they said to him, master, he already has 10 minas. I tell you that to everyone who has, more shall be given, but from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. I've watched people lose responsibility. I, I, I think sometimes we just feel comfortable and safe in positions that we have thinking they're always going to be there. It's just for a time. The responsibility you have is your opportunity to be faithful. It's an opportunity. It's a reward to be faithful. That's the first thing that I want you guys to take away. The second thing is there is nothing little or big, just faithful or unfaithful. Some of you might be in here. You might say, well, I don't have a lot of responsibility in my life. I'm not married. I don't have kids. I don't, I don't do anything. If, if, if you're a friend of somebody, if you have parents, you're meant to honor them. If you have a job, you're meant to do it to the glory of God. Amen? The last thing is, is that God deserves more glory. He deserves more glory out of our life. And if there is one thing that if I could come and talk to you guys in eternity, and I would say, hey, do you have any regrets? This is what you'd tell me. I wish I would have given more glory out of my life than what I did when I was there. Guys, when I was younger, I wish I would have given him more glory. I wish I would have lived my life in such a way that I would have shined even brighter and actually partnered with him in a greater way that him and I could have really demonstrated who he was to the world. It's going to be our only regret, is making sure he got more glory. But we get to have that conversation today, and we get to live the rest of our lives in such a way. So for the next few weeks, we're going to be kind of moving around this circle at these different stations and talking about what this actually looks like and just looking at some biblical characters who did it right, who did it wrong. But this is what I want to say. We can have, we need to choose humility right now in our responsibility and understand that the responsibility you do have is a gift. I want everybody to be honest right now. I want you to close your eyes. Have you ever felt like the responsibility that you have on your plate right now is a burden and not a reward? Raise your hand. I, I want everybody in this room to understand something. The Holy Spirit didn't lead you to that conclusion. And, I, and I'm, not, I'm not above that either. Of course, I've, I've fallen for that sometimes. But the enemy wants you to believe that this gift that you've been given is actually a burden. And this is, what, this is the lie, and this is how he keeps joy away from you. You won't be happy until it's gone. Meanwhile, you were created for it, and you were created to give God glory out of it. Amen? Would you guys stand? So Father, we thank you, we praise you, we thank you for the responsibility we have been given. Lord, I ask just that you'd come in and transform our minds around it. Let the humility of every person in this room, just from just showing up today, would you gift us with an understanding of what we've been rewarded with and the responsibility we have and the different positions that we're in. We're given to you, given to us by you, and they were a reward. 
and an opportunity for us to be faithful. Would you please let us stop staring at what's big and what's little and start, start, help us to stare at what's faithful and what does faithfulness look like and what does it actually mean to partner with Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit in all of these different positions. And let your light shine and let you get the glory out of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Have a great new year. We thank you for watching with us. At Praise, our mission is to inspire, challenge, and transform people for generations to come. And we hope today's message can do just that. If you have any questions or would like to learn more about Praise, email us at info at If you'd like to support Praise financially, you can visit praiseyork.com give. To stay up to date with sermons, events, and changes at Praise, make sure to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our YouTube channel.